It's time for the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Let's mix it up with a breakdown of some local, regional, and national sports with Nick Verzellini and Colin McLaughlin. Good afternoon and welcome into this edition of the Sports Mix. Nick Verzellini, Colin McLaughlin, Dylan Bishop here on this Monday edition of the sports mix a tough weekend slash extended weekend in our professional sports but besides that how are you guys today besides that that's all (laughs) we have nick so not good at all not good at all you should realize we invest all of our emotions and moods into (laughs) professional and collegiate sports teams that you know which is a very obvious and rational thing to do well yeah i mean we had that that was a start but then it was all downhill from there that was kind of guaranteed though or at least i felt like it should have been heading into the week uh haven's gotten a lot better but we'll talk about that later on the show of course the ravens lost the commanders we already talked about them um i don't want to talk about them ever again (laughs) well you have to this week uh and the orioles yeah that was tough yesterday but and the day before um we'll get to them high school football we had some intriguing games throughout the state uh martinsburg gets a dominating win over washington it was a mismatch 68 nothing uh what was your guys i guess takeaways from it not a whole lot you can really take away from a 68 nothing game um because it, it just seemed like washington really at this point can't compete with a team like Martinsburg, and, and uh, it was just a really tough game for them, but Martinsburg did what it is supposed to do. Just kind of went how we might have expected it to. Maybe a little worse, but, I mean, Washington's a rebuilding program. It has some struggles, always struggles against Martinsburg, and they did again. Martinsburg still looks very, very good this year, and it's not surprising that that was the result, honestly. Yeah, it just what I guess was surprising was the fact that it seemed like Washington could never get anything going. They never figured anything out on the offensive side of the ball. Unfortunately for them still being shut out for another, I believe now, sixth or seventh consecutive year against Martinsburg, finishing the game in the negatives with total yards in the game offensively allowed 10 sacks of the defensive line and the linebackers really stepped up for this team for Martinsburg and you you like seeing that they were able to get out to an early start now whether that was just because they were totally above and beyond the talent level that Washington is at right now or it's because they needed to finally not have a slow start and they realized it or maybe a mix of both but overall another impressive win for the Bulldogs and they get a little bit of a break now to get some guys healthy that might not be yeah I think um there's not a whole lot to take away like I said I think Washington is a young team it seemed like they at least you know continued to give good effort and didn't you know just uh quit on the game completely so you know Martinsburg's really good um it was a mismatch um good win for Martinsburg they take this by now this week seemed like they cleaned up some things but like you said Colin I think was it more of a talent thing or was it that this team is taking a step forward in terms of they're not overlooking their opponent they're coming out and, and playing 
uh, to their top level from the beginning. But the penalties were good to avoid those, and Coach Walker said it. You know, they executed. So they did what they had to do. They now have a bye, and uh, things are definitely looking good for the Bulldogs. They should move up in the standings. There were a few upsets in terms of games that went on across the state that uh, should help them out. Um, So I think there are a lot of positives for Martinsburg moving forward in terms of their rankings and uh I guess we can move on to some other games that were a little bit closer unless Dylan you had something to say. I would I would just say first obviously your goal is that by the end of the season to get to the top two so that you have home home field advantage all throughout the playoffs until you go to Wheeling Island and I think they're going to be able to get there I think it might be a question of you know we might have a one versus two matchup. It's uh, what Cabell Midland versus versus Huntington play. I believe in the second to last year week of the season. Yeah, big rivalry game there. And I think the way it could shake out, you could see the winner of that game be number one and Martinsburg be number two. As long as a, I think they might need one, maybe one more game to go their way. I, th- I think if they just keep winning, beat Spring Mills, who's currently ranked, you know, right up there in the rankings with them then they can probably get up to that number two spot. Yeah, and I was just going to also add in before we switch over the one uh, interesting fact that we got about Martinsburg's defense now. They have outscored their opponents so far this year just from defensive points alone. The defense has scored 42 points, and they've only given up 40 now in the 70 games played, or seven games played, excuse me. Yeah, uh, so what I was talking about, too, with the in terms of the upsets that happened last week, Hurricane beat Princeton 56-42. That was a good yes. game. Uh, so that should help because Hurricane sits at 9, Princeton sits at 3, unless Hurricane were to jump Martinsburg, but they only have one loss, or they already have one loss. So I think at this point with Martinsburg being 7-0 and and getting a triple-A win, that should probably keep them above Hurricane, and I think there might have been one more, but maybe... Bridgeport I'm, upset yes, Parkersburg that's South. that's what I was looking yes. for. Bridgeport beat Parkersburg. So, Parkersburg South, 48-13. to 13. So, uh, two wins from the number eight and number nine teams right now who both already have one loss, and Martinsburg was already ahead of them, and, of course, Martinsburg continues to win. So, that should move the Bulldogs up. Should also move Spring Mills up, who nearly were upset but were able to pull it out over Frankfurt in another close game in this series 26-23 seemed like it was a great game throughout uh, really back and forth but Spring Mill is able to pull it out there in the end yeah that's a great victory for the Cardinals at home as you said another close game all games between these two schools now still a one possession differential in the outcome so a great win for them I believe they were down it halftime as well i think uh 10 to 7 so being able to fight hard get the win against frankfurt even though they're a double a school still a very talented double a school should keep spring mills pretty high up in the rankings that come out tomorrow afternoon yeah i mean they were already number five and you had number three and number four go down so you could see spring mills sit at number three in the state which i think is pretty incredible from you know what our expectations were going into the year we thought they'd maybe be you know third in the epac which you know, that might still end up being the case in the end but to sit third in the state on you know october 11th here in the middle of the week is a quite a feat yeah and there's still some games left to be played so 
they could end up as high as second, you know, depending on what happens with Jefferson from here on out. Um, of course, Spring Mills has some tough games coming up with University, Martinsburg, and Hedgesville. Definitely not an easy stretch. Uh, they do look like now maybe more winnable than what we originally thought probably heading into the year. University was going to be a toss-up game. I still think it is. University was 17th, one spot behind. Yeah, Boston they're 3-3. Three and three. So, I mean, they're not a powerhouse this year, it doesn't look like, but they're still a quality program. I think it's a game that you can't overlook, especially yeah. Spring Mills coming off of a close win. So, um, you know, could go either way, I still think. And Hedgesville, as we know, uh, even though they're kind of struggling right now at times, they're still a you know a quality team, I think, overall. So they could give Spring Mills some problems. And, of course, you would expect Martinsburg to still win, even though Spring Mills has gotten a lot better and they're maybe closing the gap, but still not probably there. Uh, but who knows? I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to the game in a few weeks to get a better read on this Spring Mills team. But they look like they're at least the top, I'd say, 7-8 team in the state at the very least and, and, what and you potentially like higher than that. As well from this week's outcome is we kind of touched on it Friday. They had been tested really since week one in that two-point loss to Jefferson. And they were definitely tested this week. And for the Cardinals, it came out as a win. So you can see a stride in that aspect, which is something that you hadn't been able to check off the box yet for this team that has the experience, has the talent to be one of the top teams. So now going out, yes, it's still against a double-A school, but being able to overcome a tough game and this time be on the winning all, side is something that you can look at optimistically now. And all double-A means is that you have less kids. It doesn't yes. mean that your kids are automatically worse or anything like that. So, you know, I, I don't know if you should – I mean, it, it means more in terms of getting triple-A win versus a double-A win. You get more points for it. But besides that, like, it's still a good team, and, and it doesn't really matter uh, – double a versus triple a i mean usually you expect the triple a to win just because more kids mean you have more opportunities to have more talent on your team uh but depending on the program and depending on the location of the school and stuff like that the double a's can have just as much talent as a triple a so uh, it really just depends frankfurt's one of those yeah yeah they're really good so moving on uh big win or kind of a weird game in terms of this one was a little bit closer than i expected jefferson does get the win over south hagerstown 34 to 15 it seemed to be a close game heading into the fourth quarter and then jefferson uh pulled away at least based on what i was tracking on the uh scoreboard not certain though always the scoreboard on metro news sometimes it's really accurate sometimes it's not just kind of depends on whenever they get their updates or or however that thing exactly works but um still a, a good win for jefferson over south hagerstown and um they continue to find ways to win games, and it was a game that you had to have on the road against a non-conference team. Absolutely. It was, it was still a good win for them. And you know, going into the rest of the season, they, they have a pretty solid path to, I'd say, a, a home playoff game, at the very least one. Because you know, if I, I see you have the schedule there, Colin. I see Millbrook, Musselman, is that Clarksburg and then Washington? Yes. I yes. Believe. Yeah. Millbrook should be a tough one this week. Millbrook five and one. Musman, looking at the start of the season, you thought that might be more I still of a think it's be game. Tough. It could still be yeah. a tough game if Musselman is wanting to play 
spoiler at this point for Jefferson. So we'll, well see. Must still do. fighting for the playoffs. Yes, they are, but the way things have gone there, you still don't feel too confident. I, I wouldn't count them out, though. I, 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 I know. Still, I know this was a tough that time game. and time again, but four game losing streak. It seems like things just this year are falling apart in my mind. Yeah, I don't know. But based on what we heard from Coach Thomas, it seemed like it was a much better game than that final score reflects. I mean, they had a chance to potentially score 28 points in that game. They had a drop touchdown. They were in the red zone down at the five-yard line and got stopped. So, you know, Cabell Midland is is truly a power. Yeah. and And Jefferson's a team you're more familiar with. I wouldn't be surprised if Musselman still pulls off that win. Plus, we know too i mean he talked about it they just played four of the best teams in the state jefferson is another good team and i'm not saying jefferson's going to lose to musselman necessarily but i think it's going to be a close game i don't want to count the cougar or the appleman out completely even though they're looking a little rough right now because they now also appear to have figured out their quarterback michael thompson supposedly played really well um and played all every snap so if they figured some things out with him Maybe they can turn it around. Uh, so I don't want to necessarily say that Jefferson's going to beat Musselman as a guarantee at this no, point. No, it's a fair point, and you'll hear it later on for those tuned in uh, this week as we were already joined by Coach Thomas of the Appleman. And, yes, he brought up the point that you, you look at the four losses that they've had in a row, and he said, I would wonder what the combined record is, and I kind of just did that. All four teams only have two losses. In total, one for Spring Mills, one for Morgantown. Martinsburg's undefeated, seven and zero. Cabell Midland now seven and zero as well. So I, that that is a fair point, but at the same time, a loss is still a loss. It still hurts your confidence. And can you get that confidence back at this point in the season? Is something that I want to see from Musselman because I always everybody enjoys closer games. Like we we have no investment in these games at all. Right. I want to see a mm-hmm. close game. I want to see great games. I don't like seeing blowouts. Nobody does from a neutral perspective or in general from any perspective. I feel like, but at the same time, from what we've seen from both teams, I still got to give it to Jefferson. From what but who saw. has Jefferson beat that you're super impressed by? Because I think that's a fair question that's too. Fair I mean, question. who are, you know, point. they're four and two, but maybe their schedule hasn't been as tough. Musselman's been tested with some very tough games uh, as of late. So, well, you know, I think Jefferson's good, but I think that I mean, game could maybe show us a lot Spring more. Mills. Spring Mills, right? they did beat Spring Mills, yes, by two, and, and that was week, week one. Was so week a lot one. has yep. changed since week one. Maybe if they had played them later in the year, maybe Spring Mills gets that win. But and even though they're not maybe. having the best season this year, we we still talk about Spring Valley even though they're sitting at two and four just the program in itself getting that win over a spring valley program so yeah i I just think that it's going to be a game where based on the record you say jefferson wins but who knows in a few weeks muscleman might be playing a little bit better if they can get a win over hedgesville this week get back on track i think there were some things in that cabell midland game that potentially could have been a closer final score so uh, I feel like maybe they're heading in the right direction after what has been a very tough stretch. It's hard to evaluate, you know, and it's it's tough to say. And I could see that game, though, being very much a toss-up like it was last year. I think it was a 21-20 win for the Appleman. Yep. So, yep. you know, it's a game where I think it's going to be close. It's two of the better teams in this area. And I think if you ask Coach Hunter, uh, he would say the same thing. You know, he, their team knows that this is not a 
cupcake opponent by any stretch. So I just don't think, even though Musselman's struggling, that we should just say that even if they finish with a losing record, that they're necessarily a bad win for any team. I will predict, I will say, I think Jefferson will win the game, but I'm not going to sit here and say they got no shot. I think it depends on how they come out this week. If Musselman comes out this week, gets a dominating win over Hedgesville, maybe you feel a lot better about them. Gives you some optimism going into the game at the very least. I think I've just had to see it. Yeah, I think that's fair. I don't don't want to use the phrase see it to believe it, but I kind of need to see the result. There's not really a lot of time in between then and now. There's only one game against a team that, you know, they can come out and put a points on if they they so choose uh, if they if they have a really close game with Hedgesville I'd have a hard time yeah or if they were I mean, to lose I mean I don't right, think Hedgesville's bad either necessarily I think they're having a little bit of a down year both teams are really struggling offensively and I still yeah. don't want to overhype what Musselman did against Cabell Midland because they lost 42 to 14 they have only scored 23 points in four games so it's not yeah. like this team is playing excellent football against these opponents or anything but I do think they're with the program that they have, based on what some we some of the things we heard and, and were able to see in that game against Cabell Midland, maybe this change to Thompson, maybe he is their guy and maybe he can get their offense going. I think Hedgesville will tell us a lot more, depending on how that game goes, mm-hmm. before we can really make a fair evaluation. And I think also the Parkersburg game is still winnable for them at the end of the year. So they have three games that are potentially winnable here where maybe they find their way into the playoffs, even though things don't look great right now. So Yeah, if Musselman comes out and beats Hedgesville by, you know, two, three, four touchdowns, something like that, which I'm not saying they will, I think that is probably going to be a close game. But if they did come out and do that, I'd say, okay, maybe maybe you can give Jefferson a run. Maybe, maybe you'll win that game. But if Musselman-Hedgesville, you know, is a seven-point game one way or the other or Musselman loses I'd have to come out you know the next week and be like okay I think, yeah, Jefferson, I think, I think Jefferson's gonna win especially if the Musselman offense isn't clicking at all again yeah. and we continue to see these struggles but I don't know I just don't know how to feel about it right now so we'll see what happens with Jefferson I still think they're gonna be a good team they're gonna be a playoff team um, I don't want to completely discredit what they've done because they have been able to score at a high rate. They do have mm-hmm. a lot of big playmakers on their team. Um, but I just don't know how that game's going to turn out yet. I still feel like Musselman can can make it close and make it a game, even though uh, things don't look great right now for them. So mm-hmm. I guess we've kind of recapped two games in one. We haven't talked about Hedgesville. This was a tough loss to Liberty, 28-12 on homecoming. I guess the good thing, again, Hedgesville got a little bit of points up on the board. Uh, they have also struggled offensively recently. So it now sets up a huge game and a huge rivalry between Musselman and Hedgesville this week, which we've been talking about quite a bit. Perspective without talking to Coach Faircloth yet, it just kind of seems like they were able to get a little bit more going offensively. Their defense really hasn't been too bad. They've only give, given up 28 in both of these games. And when you're on the field a lot as a defense, I don't feel like that's a bad performance and of course they have Aiden Fleming who's making supposedly 150 tackles a game so uh maybe 150 (laughs) tackles this season now yeah I mean he's been all over the place which is you know incredible stats for him so uh that's kind of been what I've been able to observe from uh not being at the games and not watching them so 
Yeah, it just seems like it's been the offensive struggles for this team, and we know that was kind of going to come with one of their top players in Monte Martin being injured the past few weeks. Hopefully he's able to recover and get to be back on the football field at some time this year, and if not, hopefully sometime in his career because we, we know the talent that he has and a great person that he is, but because of this it's just kind of been a – struggle for Hedgesville and I know yes he's just one guy so you want to have other guys be able to pick it up and uh, go on from there in his place and not miss a step but unfortunately for Hedgesville it just seems like they have missed a step Liberty from what we heard likes to throw the ball and it's just for Hedgesville they don't have the athletes just yet at the caliber that they need to be able to defend the pass that's why they kind of ran into the tough game against Jefferson and the same thing now with Liberty I uh, I think it's just sometimes you get outmatched you know the this Hedgesville team just doesn't quite have as much as last year's did and you had to kind of readjust your expectations as the year went on they got some obviously they had some extra talent come in and Fleming's doing great for them but the offense is just not the same offense as last year even though they got a lot of the you know some of the talent still there but Martin being one of those guys missing some games kind of tough yeah I mean Devontae Martin's been hurt now so you lost essentially you lost him I, it didn't sound like from what we heard from coach Faircloth that he may not play this week either it sounds like it's going to be a long-term injury mm. uh, or at least they're not taking any risk of him which makes sense I mean he has a future playing college football so you don't want to uh, you know, force him back on the field too early and then have something worse happen. So I don't know what the injury is, but essentially he's been out now for a few weeks. You lost Jackson Ruiz to graduation, so you know, you're losing your quarterback who had a big year for you. You lost Tanner Matthew to graduation as well. So, you know, a lot of their firepower, a lot of their offensive skill players uh, were lost, and that's a tough transition to make, plus the offensive line. You know, you lost Levi, or Eli Faircloth up front. Um had a few other guys graduate i think connor quinn mm -hmm. uh so they had a few guys that played baseball mike nichols as well so and you had xavier kirk that you thought was going to right but decided to just focus with basketball so i mean this team has you know just kind of struggled i feel like to find replacements for those guys and it's been a transitioning year maybe next year if they're a little bit more experienced they can come back and 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 they still are in position where they could potentially sneak in as a 16 seed, but it's going to be tough. Yeah, see, the season is nothing to be ashamed of. Unlike uh, John Angelo's the Orioles owner, he should be ashamed of himself. Well, he should have been. The Angelo's family should just be ashamed of their we'll entire ownership. But uh, that's for different reasons than just the playoff loss. We'll get there. This segment brought to you by Parsons Ford of Martinsburg at 1400 Shepherdstown Road and online at ParsonsFord.com. They became number one by making you number one first, as well as Brown Funeral Homes and Cremations. Robert Fields and Sons, a family-owned, full-service funeral home, proudly serving our area since 1880. Step aside, take a two-minute break. On the other side of this break, we'll get into Shepherd football, as they were one of the teams that did not disappoint us this week. So back for more of the Sports Mix after this. You're tuned in to the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. 
we welcome you back to the sports mix. The Shepherd Rams get a good win over Lockhaven. Excuse me, by a final score of twenty-seven to ten. Overall, again, this team played pretty well. Um, you know, got some good things going for them offensively at times. But I think the biggest takeaway for me is that they leave the game with some significant injuries. Yeah. Uh, Cam Dorner, we saw him after the game with a boot. Obviously, if you tuned in, Dante Harrison was carted off. Um, I don't have an update on him at this time, but I know he was carted off and, and taken in an ambulance. Um, so our thoughts and prayers are still with him. Uh, hopefully we can at least figure something out. He was, though, talking and, uh, you know, dabbing up his teammates and, and stuff like that so that it looked like at least from that perspective that it maybe wasn't uh anything to be i guess overly concerned about you're always concerned when somebody is carted off but at least there were some positive signs how about that i guess that's the best way to put it so um you know w- losing them i think is is the biggest takeaway from the game because you walk away with those two injuries and those are some significant playmakers on both sides of the ball but also guys stepped up and and filled those roles Barry Hill goes over 100 yards he also scores a touchdown back-to-back weeks he's scored now so he's playing a really good role for this team and defensively you get four interceptions Naeem Alexander gets one toward the end of the game to seal the deal Christian McDowell Gianni Gamble and Dwayne Grantham the others so um that was definitely good to see. And I thought the defense continued its momentum in terms of how it's been playing. The only touchdown scored in the game for Lockhaven came on a kickoff return. So overall, I think there's a lot of positives, but you do walk away with some injuries uh, to what was a relatively healthy team heading into this week. Yeah, those are big injuries. Uh, Dorner had been a little quieter over the last couple weeks, including in the Lockhaven game. I think some of that was probably added attention from the secondaries. But that being said, Jeremiah Taylor and Barry Hill in particular have been stepping up really well, and Hill played really well uh, against Lockhaven and was a big part of the offense. Playing well, 27 points isn't you know a ton. Like, it's not the 30, 40, 50, 60, 70s that you've put up against Lockhaven in the past, but it's a much better Lockhaven team than you've played in the past. And there were some missed opportunities too, which we yeah. could take away from as well. I mean, they didn't really score off those turnovers too often. They had a few drives where they were in the red zone and, and couldn't do much with them. So, you know, maybe it could have been a more dominating win. Um, but those are just little things where this team can get better. And I think it is an improved Lockhaven team. I mean, they have a linebacker that transferred in from Penn state. So, you know, they have some good players on this team, a lot of transfers, a lot of experience. Uh, they're much improved. They We knew it wasn't going to be 72-7. to 7. Yeah. So 27-10, I think, is is solid, especially good... if no offensive touchdowns allowed. And, of course, their quarterback got hurt. So who knows? It might yeah. have been a closer game if he doesn't go down. But yeah, Towards the end, the backup made a couple good throws uh, in that second half. It might have been just the fourth quarter that he was in. Uh, it was toward the end of the first half when he got hurt. So Okay. He played the entire second half. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. Yeah, the so, only thing for him was throwing the three interceptions to back up, but got to yeah. give credit to Shepard's defense. That's what I really stood out was four interceptions, especially after the early injury, for them to be able to step up and still stay focused after 
the scary injury of Dante, and hopefully he recovers and is well. As you said earlier, no update yet from what we've heard, but hopefully he's doing okay. But four interceptions was something that stood out. Big games for Barry Hill and Jeremiah Taylor, both of them getting a touchdown and both over 100 yards. And something for me, I don't know about you guys. Jordan Barnett had the same amount of carries as Malachi Brown. Barnett has really come on. He's been a a bright spot in these last couple of games of someone that you can kind of rely on to get you some, some carries. He runs the ball so hard. He, he accelerates very quickly and just, boom, straight He's shot. He's a big body. Straight, straight shot, north-south, up the middle. Yeah, I think you might have compared him to Brandon Jacobs. Yeah, that's probably a little bit of a stretch, but yeah, he's that power back type. Right, type Brandon guy. Jacobs was you know six four two thirty or two forty something like that. that. Yeah. yeah, maybe even two fifty. But you know, the same kind of running style, like high you know uh, high shoulders and just runs straight north south very quick. But I really enjoyed what he's brought the last couple of games, and that like you mentioned, Colin, the, the defense is starting to get more pressure and more and more turnovers. In these last few weeks too maybe that's you know a little lower competition against you know shippensburg and and lockhaven than against kutztown but even against edinburgh they weren't really you know creating turnovers so hopefully that's a trend for the rest of the season and i think now I, even if you beat east stroudsburg you're asking a lot for kutztown to drop two games in the rest of the season so that you can get to the PSAC championship game. I think you just look forward at this point and you just say, let's win all of our games on our schedule, go 9-1. and one. Hopefully we'll get a home playoff game, which at 9-1 and one you probably can. Cuts down. Yeah. While they're ahead of you in the standings, they do have two losses when it comes to the super regional rankings at the end of the season. Yeah, I want to give a shout-out to Ryan Barrick. I, I'm a special teams guy, and he did great. Four punts, 140 yards total, so an average of 35 yards per punt. Three of those four punts inside the 20. So winning the field position battle is something that kind of goes quietly, it seems like, unless you truly look at the stats, and that is something that definitely helped out Shepard against Lockhaven, which, as we said, a team that definitely is improving, especially this year. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Colin. Um, Shepard has kind of at times, especially early in the game, if their offense hadn't quite gotten going, has kind of played more field position this year. Ryan Barrick's a good punter. The thing is, he hasn't really had a chance to show that because Shepard didn't punt in the past. Um, it was kind of rare to see it, especially in games like Lockhaven. And uh, there were a few games where he didn't even get to see the field. So his day was really easy. Um, but he always has had you know talent as a punter um, when they have had to use him. And... You know, he was able to do that, and now they are a little bit more conservative with their offense. If things aren't going, you know, they probably will elect to punt to try to play the field position more, um, and he's done a great job. So I think that is a good point to point that out. And um, besides the kickoff return touchdown, there wasn't any real mishaps on special teams. Uh, They made a few plays here and there. So I think overall – you're still feeling good about this team. Millersville looks like a winnable game this week, so just continue to win like Dylan said. I think and they'll be fine. Even if you don't win the PSAC, it doesn't mean too much. Besides, you may have to go on the road later in the postseason. 
you might. East Stroudsburg's kind of probably be the the toughest game left. Still on have the Westchester schedule. too. So. Yeah, Westchester but lucky for them, those are the two home games left mm-hmm. on the schedule, and Millersville and Bloomsburg are the two. Well, I shouldn't say the two home games left on the schedule because they also have Mercyhurst at the end of the year if they don't. Depending on who they end if, up playing, right? If they don't, if neither of those teams makes the the championship game, which I doesn't don't look think Mercyhurst would. No. Yeah. <laughs> and, usually not fair. I think in three, one in five. Yeah, Kutztown's already faced the tougher teams in the in the East, so I would not expect them to drop two more. You need at least two more because then you have to beat East Stroudsburg and everybody else in the East for the rest of the year. So. Like I said, I think even if you go eight and two, say you lose to East Stroudsburg, that's not a bad loss at all. You probably don't get yourself a, a home game for in the playoffs at that point. But I think you pretty easily make it into the top seven still. And I think that's where they'll be at the end of the year. At this point, you probably look at maybe maybe they'd be like the third seed, fourth seed at this point. Which right. those would those that's the bo- that's the back end of those teams that play at home in the first round. And I mean uh you know, even when they didn't make the PSAC championship game a few years ago and had a very similar season, right? They lost to Kutztown, uh, mm-hmm. you know, had a close game, but they were able to beat Westchester and they beat East Strasburg. I think it was kind of a dominating game, but they've gotten a lot better since then. Yeah. Uh, they still made the final four. So mm-hmm. could this team still do that? Absolutely. Uh, they could also, though, you know, find themselves in a tougher situation because we know that Westchester should be able to give them a pretty good game and i think based on how this season's gone you would expect it to be pretty close yeah and yep. you never know that game could go either way and east Strasburg could go either way so there's a it's probably a little bit tougher than it was a few years ago when even though they played some close games toward the end of the year you were like well they have Bajent, uh they they have enough here that they can get over the hump um it definitely you know they found ways to win these close games so you feel pretty good about that um but you know this team will be tested i think a few more times and they're not just gonna roll over everybody into the postseason like they maybe did a few years ago so yeah this team is just doesn't seem built for whatever reason to blow teams out i think they have the capacity to do it they just haven't put it all together in one game yet to do it with the offense and the defense i think it's possible maybe this week against millersville could be that kind of game maybe don't know what the weather will be like yeah, if they do end up yeah. playing Mercyhurst, then they could also be that kind of game. So we'll just have to wait and see. But uh, overall, I think we're feeling pretty good about the Shepherd Rams. They're playing Thunderstruck. On the Marshall lost this week. They lost by a touchdown to NC State. I'm sorry. It's okay. You know, they're playing a tough team. So This segment brought to you by Orsini's Home Store, not just an appliance store any longer. Cabinets and Zine Bedding Outdoor Living family-owned and operated. Visit them at 360 Hack Wilson Way or online at orsinis.com. Back for more of the sports mix on the other side of this two-minute break. Now, back to the sports mix on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. We welcome you back to this final segment of the Sports Mix. Nick Verzellini, Colin McLaughlin, Dylan Bishop. Colin, hit the mute button, please. Sorry. It's okay. Now, Coach Hunter can, was texting me as it happens. Well, so. You know, you're a busy guy. But it's my fault, not Coach Hunter's. Well, of course I should not. have focused on the show. You can never blame Coach Hunter. Exactly. For your mistakes. My apologies. It's okay. 
Um, I'm not mad. Coach Hunter might be later if he's We're just disappointed. This. Yeah. In the Orioles. In and the Ravens. Mm, which one do we would talk about first? The Ravens. Yeah, I guess. So I, I actually just saw within the last few minutes, Lamar Jackson had the number one passing grade from Pro Football Focus <laughs> this week. Unfortunately, the Ravens receivers had seven drops. That's actually very funny because the team he didn't score a touchdown <laughs> now that's not on him but it's just like i wish this offense just been consistent almost throughout his entire tenure outside of, i guess maybe 2019 can the rest of this offense play up to the level of lamar jackson for once it's usually the offensive line not protecting him wide receivers dropping the ball running backs fumble the ball although lamar lamar has his own share of fumbles here and there yeah so it's and he did not, have two turnovers on Sunday. Yes, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. That one at the end of the game was uh, you know, the interception on the target to Odell was on him. Now, should they have called that play? I don't think so. Because what has Odell Beckham done for you this year to think that you should go to him on a fade route on third and goal? I don't know. Uh, you mentioned before the show, Nick, that he was at that point the only receiver to not drop a touchdown, it seemed like. So, no, he literally was. He literally was. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's sad. <laughs> like you could argue that Zay didn't, but like he might he have. Probably he did. probably would have probably scored did. on that one that he fell down on. So like he, or at least he could have. So at least I don't think. Well, no, Andrews did too. Okay, yeah, Andrews no, dropped one in yeah. the end zone. Yeah. Bateman came back the very next play and dropped one. So literally, yep. and Nelson Aguilar dropped a deep pass. They kind of went away from Bateman. The, arguably, have dropped two long plays, but. I don't know. He hadn't practiced all week, I guess, or whatever. Maybe was. they would have saw it coming, but they kind of went away from the, the QB run with Lamar in the red zone like they had had the last couple yeah, games. That's true. So I wish they would have gotten back to that a little bit. I think probably because when they had tried some option plays, the Steelers seemed to be on top of it a little bit more yeah. than some other teams. And, of course, the Steelers do have you know two really good edge players and, and Highsmith and Watt. So yeah. you know, those guys are playing their assignments well and taking away a lot of those plays. It's Raven Steelers, man. It, they get, it gets weird. It gets close. It's a, it's a, it's a battle. It's very know. rarely a blowout, and I didn't really expect the blowout, but the way the game started and really you look back on some of the, all the plays the Ravens missed, they, they should have dominated the game. Yeah. Um, so it's frustrating on the, from that sense, but – you know, I mean, in terms of the entire season and what this game means, it could mean a lot, it could not, but everybody at this point in the season is pretty much all the same in the AFC North. It's kind of how so, the NFL goes. The Ravens could very well be 5-0, and but instead they're 3-2. and That's just kind of how it, how it goes. You know, one-score games are typically toss-ups in the yeah. NFL. So I feel like from just, I guess, how you're – feeling about things and, and this was a regular season game in week five it doesn't you know really hurt you as much as the playoff loss for the Orioles but the NFL you do have less opportunities I guess to uh win games and, and I don't know it's all just kind of it was a tough weekend from for a Baltimore sports fan especially really a tough Sunday it's time for that now isn't it it is yeah I I just want to know that you you have Grayson Rodriguez. First of all, he's it's his first playoff playoff start ever. He's out and he, he he chokes. Simply put, but to go into the third inning, and I think it's partly Brandon Hyde. Why are you going to Brian Baker 
and you know Jacob Webb. You could have perhaps gone to Kyle Gibson. You could have gone to Jack Flaherty. I, I didn't really like the you know Danny Coulomb only maybe been, Dean Kramer if he's not the fourth starter. You know I don't know who that. I, I think Kramer. I guess the third guy. I think you were yeah, saving he, Kramer for, game. for game three, but. Of all the things that they that they I could have done, was out, so. yeah, they go to Coulomb for only one out, and then they take him out. It, I I didn't like the management of the game in general, but that's the roster that we were kind of given to work with. The one guy that you traded for as a bullpen arm at the de- at the deadline was not good enough to be on the playoff roster at all, and then you have th- so. But he is, yeah. Then you Still have, on the roster. No, he's talking about Fuji. I'm talking about oh, Fujinami. Okay. And then Jack Flaherty, that's who the starter you traded for, ends up not right. being good enough to be in the rotation, and he's a bullpen arm instead. Right. So, And that leaves you with, you needed to make moves at the deadline to improve the pitching, and that leaves you with, let's put Brian Baker on the playoff roster. Why? Yeah, and th- that, that, shouldn't have ha- that shouldn't have had to happen. And the reason it keeps happening is that, simply put, the John and John Angelos and the Angelos family does not want to invest in the team, invest in the payroll because they are cheap. They do not want to. There is no salary cap in baseball. You can spend money. You can put invest things into your roster. And they just chose not to do it. They didn't do it in the offseason. They didn't do it at the deadline. Their excuse is, oh, we want to save our, our prospects. What is Connor Norby contributing to this play, to this playoff run, I what thought is, the excuse was they don't have the money because people keep stealing the alcohol. <laughs> yeah, so people uh, going to the free beer machine uh, at the at Camden Yards this weekend. So uh, I'm sure they can use that in this, in this excuse too. What is Samuel Basayo contributing to this? Why you couldn't? I understand that the pitching market was was tough. Yeah, this off season or the, at this trade deadline, there wasn't much out there, but. It's like they didn't try. They they did the bare minimum to say, "Here you go, we got you two pitchers," and they they're nothing for the playoff run. It wasn't good enough. And then the the lineup, the inexperienced lineup, has been up and down and going through droughts. And on Saturday, that was the case. They just couldn't come couldn't through when they needed runs, to. Yeah. But to give up eleven runs, it, on yesterday was the eleven walks is what really sticks yeah. out. Eleven I mean, walks is horrible, horrible, horrible. And I think, look, I'm going to stay optimistic because this team has battled back all year. They haven't been swept in whatever it is, 95 games or whatever. So I think they're going to force a game four somehow, some way, even though things look really bad right now. Because I do have a little bit more confidence that the offense finally came out of its slump yesterday. Um, Guys are contributing. The the thing is, is you're probably Dean Kramer, maybe Kyle Gibson for this game in Texas. Texas is going to be fired up. They're playing great baseball right now in this postseason. Um, and you're going up against Evaldi. Yeah, it's going to be tough. It's definitely not going to be easy, but I just feel like some some way they may they may feel uh, find a way to get a win. And also, baseball playoffs are weird. Sometimes teams come back from big deficits when things look like they're over and, and find a way to win but they're outmatched in, in some key things right now and the number one thing that they're outmatched in is the manager spot and i don't think brand Hyde's a bad manager but bruce bochy's a three-time world series champion and what's frustrating yeah. me too though you mentioned yes the offense did step up yesterday but it's not the guys that you expect to 
which also means it's not which just is kind of a good thing though but it might also be guys that might not be in the lineup mateo might not be yeah. it's your big mateo guy you're... went four for four hicks had a solid game five rbis is he gonna be in the lineup tomorrow mateo doesn't play against righties so mateo the... out so he's hicks. out in the playoffs you need your stars to be stars simply put Adley Rutschman has not been that so far. He one hit, hit for him. One he, hit he so far in two games. could have had another one, though. He hit one pretty hard. Cedric Mullins still hasn't had a Nothing. hit. He hasn't shown. Santander, yeah, he was fine in the first game. 0 for 5 yesterday. Gunner homered. Gunner so. homered. But that's, that's about it. I they, think, though, I don't know, game by game, matchup by matchup, I think they could be all right to still score i mean yes you're right colin a lot of the guys that did step up offensively but also austin hayes broke out of his slump so you know it, it, i feel all eight right runs about it. eight runs should win you a game even right. the five that they got before the ninth inning that should win you most games your pitching should be able to go out there and only give up four runs when you got grayson rodriguez on the mound and again they just you know, obviously, he, it's his first playoff start. He uh, crumbled, but he had to be your guy, though, because he was I mean, he was the third best pitcher in the American League in the second half behind Garrett Cole and Kyle Bradish. He uh, crumbled and they had no back. They had no backup plan. I think losing the first game hurts even more, though, because like, yeah, Bradish is your guy. He's you, your ace. You could have dealt with it. That was the thing. You can't have two of the three things be bad. Your lineup, your starting pitching and your bullpen. And they had two of them be bad on Saturday, on Sunday, yesterday, and the other one be bad on on Saturday. Yeah. So, you know, it's tough, um, but I, I still am believing because I, I feel like they will at least come out and hopefully play better on the road. Maybe I don't know, but they've given me no reason to. I, I don't think they're going to win the series necessarily, but you know, you never know in baseball. So yeah. I feel like we'll you got to be optimistic heading into a game three. A segment brought to you by Hagerstown Ford, revolutionizing the car buying experience. Visit them at HagerstownFord.com as well as the Mary's Group of Ameriprise Financial Advisors, John Everson and Phil McCoy. Stop by 1270 Winchester Avenue in Martinsburg or call 304-263-4343. For Nick Verzellini, Dylan Bishop, I'm Con McLaughlin. Signing off the Neil Brown press conference follows this here on Talk Radio WRNR Martinsburg. (laughs) 